What is up, you beautiful human? Hello and welcome back to the Raw, Real and Vulnerable podcast with me, your host, Beck Antonucci. So surprised, fam. This marks two and a half weeks now that I have been in Bali on a one-way ticket. I know that this probably came as a little bit of a shock to many of you. Um, This has been a calling that's been on my heart for a little while, an internal knowing that I have been pushing down and suppressing because of the pain of what the courageous change would bring, including loss of people in particular, loss of a certain person for now. So you'll have to bear with me as my heart is quite soft and quite tender. And for that reason, I am choosing before I really share all the ins and outs of what is going on in the world of Beck Antonucci, I'm sharing some of the incredible guest episodes that I have been recording for you lately. And not just because my heart is tender, you know that I love to share. That's who I am as a person, raw, real and vulnerable. But also these conversations have just lit me up from the inside out. In fact, this one with Matt Kammer, I'm so excited for you to be able to receive this. This was actually recorded a few days prior to my move to Bali and supported me really powerfully in my decision to take the courageous aligned action. There's something that came up in this podcast, you're going to hear it today, around stages of life. And as I was sitting in conflict of my decision to make a big courageous change and knowing that my heart had to give up someone that I love so much in the endeavor for this quest of aliveness that I'm on right now, Matt referencing and sharing what to me now seems so glaringly obvious that Someone can be so in alignment with you and for you, but if your stages of life are very different, then your stage of life is very different. And I realized through recording this podcast with Matt that I was in a war within myself, knowing that I love someone so much, but their mission is so set in Perth. Their stage of life right now is so set in Perth. And my stage of life right now is so global. My mission is global. And the conflict was trying to fight that truth. And so Matt presencing stage of life in this podcast today just brought so many realizations to the surface of what I had been trying to ignore and avoid out of fear of loss, out of fear of pain, and out of fear of letting go of someone that I really love so, so much. So this episode is all about creating polarity in your relationship, creating deeper intimacy within your relationship, and being able to communicate powerfully in your relationship. I know because my audience is predominantly female, you are going to get so much value out of this. I could have asked Matt questions all day long. If you love it, please screenshot it, share it to your story, tag both myself and Matt because we both would love to connect with you. Strap yourself in, fam. Let's fucking go. Matt Kammer, welcome to Raw, Real and Vulnerable. Thank you so much for having me in here. Love the name and it definitely represents who you are as well. So I really appreciate you having me on. I'm so excited. I have not had very many men on the podcast yet. So it's a real initiation and a welcome when I'm like, who do I choose these beautiful, incredible men to deliver their wisdom to these beautiful women who are tuning in? So for any woman listening right now who has no idea who you are and why I would even request you to be on the show and share your genius with us, who are you? What do you do in the world and what are we diving into today? Thank you. Well, what it is that I do, if you go onto my social media, you might see me label myself as a relationship coach. 
However, I'm really helping people change their relationship with themselves, right? And the reason why I do that is because the relationship to ourselves affects every other relationship in our lives, especially our romantic relationships. Whether someone is single or whether someone is in a relationship, I help people by looking at what is going on within them, specifically in their minds, looking at their beliefs, but also any trauma or any patterns that are ineffective, unuseful, unhealthy, that is showing up in a relationship that is preventing them from creating the connection or dating experience or relationship that they want. And the reason why I do this is because it was an area of my life that I had the most pain in growing up. I sucked at relationships so bad to the point where I was that guy who was just constantly getting friend-zoned. I was that guy that was just so nice and so friendly to the point where a lot of women would see me as, you know, visually attractive, but I like to make the distinction between being physically attractive and energetically attractive. And I was someone who... You know, objectively, people might see me as being attractive. And at the same time, I'm looking at a gorgeous man right now. Thank you. I appreciate that. And at the same time, I don't know if you've had this, I've had this, I'm sure people listening have had this, where someone can be physically attractive, but there's something about their energy, the way that they speak, the way that they be, that just has you want to vomit in your mouth, right? Whether it be because they're so timid or whether it be because they're overly aggressive or like you can see that there's a conversation going on. Like I was that dude and it wasn't until I started to go into the work that I teach now, looking at trauma, looking at my masculine energy, getting re-in touch with that. I started to notice who I was attracting and who I was attracted to became completely different. You know, so that's a little snippet of who it is that I am and how it is that I got into this. Oh, I love that. Do you mind me asking a few extra personal questions on that one? Absolutely. We are on the raw, real and vulnerable with Beck. And I don't know how to say your last name properly yet. Yeah, that's right. So you spoke about compensating for something. What is it that you're compensating for? One of the teachings that I like to go into with someone is helping them to discover what is their core belief or core assumption about themselves. So one of the things that I had about myself was I would relate to myself as someone who is bad. Right. And normally we can get into the conversation around that someone has about themselves because it's in the language of a little child. Right. Like, I'm not good enough. That's normally like an adult. But a kid, me at a young age, I had a story about myself that I'm bad. So the compensation patterns that I started to create was to be good because there is an assumption that I'm bad. So my compensation was to go on the other end of that, to be the nice guy, be really nice to women. And while it was beautiful, the intent behind that, there was still underneath that the energy of I am someone who is bad and wrong. So there was a lot of shame about who it is that I am. And, you know, just a quick little background. I was I grew up very religious as well. So. I was like trying to live to these rules and looking at women is wrong and it's a sin and it's bad and self-pleasure and sex before marriage, it is all wrong. And if I do that, then I'm going to end up in hell forever. So make sure that I'm good. So that's a little bit of what was going on back then. Yeah, huge. And then you spoke about you were attracting a kind of woman because you're coming from that energetic and coming from that compensatory pattern. So I know that you're obviously in a beautiful relationship now. I've had the pleasure of meeting Kelly in person. What kind of woman was that energy attracting in comparison to your now committed partnership? Yeah, I had a pattern. The first type of person I was attracting in the beginning was people who weren't choosing me. And the way that that would show up was women who would start dating me and then they would end up sleeping with another person at a party when I was in high school. 
or that end up kissing another person, or that end up breaking up with me and then a few weeks later ending up in a relationship with their ex-partner or someone else. So that was the constant thread that I was noticing. And a big reason for that, what I started to reflect on was, put simply, I just wasn't choosing myself, right? Mm -hmm. And then afterwards, I started to notice that I was attracting people who were just out of a relationship. And one of the things that I worked on with a coach back then was I was looking at, okay, what am I a mirror for? What am I a match to? What is the common thing that is happening with the women that I'm attracting? Well, I'm acting as a rebound. Their heart is closed. and They just want to like get back at their partner or their ex-partner. And what was happening for me? Well, I had an accumulation of so many women, friends owning me, ending up with another man. So my heart became closed. So of course, I was a vibrational match, an energetic match to another woman who also had their heart closed, who wanted to like get back at their ex-partner because that's what I wanted to do. You hurt me so bad. I want to show you by sleeping with all these different women. And that's what was going on. Mm, huge. And thank you so much for sharing. And you spoke about when you help people in relationships, main thing that you're really helping them with is their relationship with self. Yes. I think it's very easy when we're in that to project onto it's the other person's fault. It's the rebound woman's fault. It's her fault for cheating. How did you know in that moment to bring it back to you and say, hey, what is this a mirror to within me? And I know I never like to follow up a question with a question, but for anyone listening, it's like, oh my God, I'm so resonating with attracting in the kind of person that I actually don't want to attract anymore. How do I actually bring it back to myself to be able to create that internal change rather than just picking the next person and hoping to God that they're different? Great question. I'm sure everyone's had this moment where there was a significant emotional event, whether it be one time or multiple times, where it gets to a point where there is something within you that just says, I can't keep doing this. I am just sick and tired of having the same thing happen again and again and again. And in that event, when there is like an opening, there's an opening for change, right? So for me, during that point, it was an ex-partner of mine who ended up with another person. Of course, that was what was going on back then. And then I remember... I actually hired a dating coach. So for me, it was like, there is something going on here and I don't know what it is. So I'm going to hire support because I wasn't consciously thinking of this at the time. But now looking back, I could just see that I have blind spots. I had blind spots, still have blind spots, never going to not have blind spots, right? But there was just something that I couldn't see. And what I really started to work on was specifically how to flirt, how to attract women, how to have conversations with women, how to hold a conversation. And I'll share one quick thing on this with that ex-partner of mine, because we were doing long distance at the time. My biggest fear wasn't being apart. My biggest fear was getting on a phone call with her and having to hold a conversation for at least 20 to 30 minutes. It might sound weird, but for me, I remember just being so petrified of that because I grew up very, very shy, being teased and bullied for being very, very shy. I used to be called mute karma instead of Matt karma in high school, right? That was my biggest fear. And hiring a dating coach really helped me. It was like I was an alien coming to earth, learning how to communicate with another human. He was like, here's how you hold a conversation. Now you know this, let's practice it. Okay, that woman over there, go and approach her and I want you to just hold a conversation. And I was like, shit, like just throwing me into the deep end. So that was really helpful for me. So what I would say to anyone who is wanting to get started with this, number one, there's something that is going to happen in your life where you're going to have that opening, where there's something, a significant emotional event that happens in that moment. So what I would recommend is in that time, looking at and asking yourself questions around, what is it about me? Or what is it about this person or this situation that is reflecting something about me that I am unaware of? 
because that's one of the ways that we can do what is called shadow work, looking at blind spots. And then that could be helpful, right? Asking questions. You can also hire a coach because a coach who is skilled can look at you and point out blind spots with the way that you're speaking, with the little mannerisms that you do, just with your whole demeanor. They can get on a call with you and be like, I can see just from without you even saying words, like what is going on with you, right? So awareness, getting objective feedback, whether it be you journaling, which is more subjective feedback, but then also hiring a coach. I would say that that's the two biggest places that you could start. But if you don't have the income, then I would recommend some journaling, some reflective questioning. I love that so much. It really ties in beautifully into what we're going to talk about today because I know I always ask every guest what's holding your heart. And one of the things that you said to me over in Austin is polarity and relationship. And I love that conversation because it resonates for me so much as well. And it's a common thing within myself and with a lot of women that are in my world. I want more intimacy in my partnership. And I can often hear that's been a constant complaint of mine basically my entire life in relationships. And I constantly come back to like, where am I not being intimate with myself? And I think that's a beautiful segue into the whole conversation around polarity and that thing that we're craving and desiring from another person that we're not giving to ourselves. So are you open to us really diving into that? Yeah, let's go into it. You're like the man to go for for this conversation. Yes, Um, we love to go into it. So for anyone listening, I know I've said about it a little bit online. And some of the women message me and they say, I don't even know what polarity is or is not, but I have a feeling it's missing from my life and from my partnership. So can you share what polarity is just so that it can be relatable to everyone who's listening? Absolutely. So think of polarity as two opposing energies. Let's just put that as the definition for a second. Polarity equals two opposing energies coming together and creating what is called a spark. You might label it as infatuation. You might label it as passion. You might label it as like hotness, right? But it's two opposing energies coming together. And that creates what is called polarity, forward slash, let's just label it passion for now. And the way that I like to teach about this is if someone's had a sexual experience with someone that was like super hot, go back into what was happening back then that made it that way. Like, what was it about this person's energy specifically or their way of being, whether it be their demeanor, how it is that they were with you in that moment, that had it be so hot and so sexy? And like, for example, when I'm coaching women, they might say, like, he just claimed me. Yes, there was consent. But rather than like, hey, can you flip over? He would just grab me and then just like put me in a certain position. I just feel so taken and I feel so small and I feel like he was devouring me. Mm -hmm. Right. If I speak to men, it's the complete opposite. She was just like totally receiving me and she was just so feminine, and she was just so open and receptive. And anyone listening, if you just pause for a second and just really reflect on that, you might notice that that energy is in complete opposite to your core essence. When I'm speaking to specifically, when I say your core essence, we have two different energies, all of us, regardless of gender, masculine and feminine. And the more opposed the masculine and feminine energy is between two people will determine the amount of polarity, let's just call it passion, in that experience. So I'll say that again. The more opposed the two energies, masculine and feminine energy, that comes together will determine the strength of the polarity or the passion in that connection. So first off, does that all make sense? I've got like 12,000 questions. Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) So... Does polarity show up more in committed partnership with the people that you're working with? Because for me, 
I found I never had a complaint about polarity or intimacy when I was single because yes. I come from a very different energy Absolutely. to the woman that shows up to her committed partner. So I'm assuming, it's not always right yeah. to assume, that this is something that really just shows up mainly in partnership. Predominantly, yes. Especially like in the long term, like around up after the honeymoon phase and after like, let's say the nine month mark, that's when it definitely becomes like there is something else here, that passion that we once had which makes sense because all these different hormones and stuff going on, like that started to go down a little bit, that novelty. And now we get to work on polarity, right? So absolutely, it does show up more in couples. And so is it even necessary that couples experience polarity? Absolutely. Most relationships don't end because of a lack of compatibility. Sometimes it does, right? But long-term relationships, most will end because there's a lack of passion or as it's called aliveness or, or polarity, right? So it's absolutely important because the difference between me and a friend and me and Kelly is that there's intimacy, right? Mm. And we don't want to just have like cool intimacy when we have like a live intimacy. So it's absolutely important. And when the conversation around the lack of polarity starts to show up, do you feel it's a nine month mark where people are aware of it, the year and a half mark where they're doing something about it? When do couples really say like, whoa, this isn't working? And they've identified it's a lack of passion, it's a lack of intimacy, it's a lack of spark. At what point do, do you feel that couples like, we need to fucking do something about this or this relationship has an end point? Yeah, it definitely ranges, of course. And at the same time, generally speaking, when we're working with couples or if I'm working with a couple, it's around the one year mark that we start to notice things. However, some couples have that from the very beginning, but there's just such a strong connection in terms of at a friendship level but there's that, definitely that attraction there. But in the context of sex, if someone has like all of this trauma around sex, or maybe someone has these beliefs around sex or their masculine energy or their feminine energy, like it might be difficult around sexual intimacy. But it's not just in the bedroom at the same time. Polarity will definitely be shown in the bedroom, but it's also about how you book a trip, how you book dinner, how you plan a date night in between the bedroom, right, which is going to be 99.9% of the time, right? So it's it's not just about that 1% in the relationship. Can you share a little bit more for those who are saying, you say it could apply to how you book a dinner. So how would you book a dinner that would promote polarity in your relationship? Okay, here's an example of this. So let's say that there's a woman and they are in a relationship with a man and he's not in his masculine, right? If he plans a dinner, it might sound like, and let's say he's in a relationship, it might sound like, hey, I'm thinking about going to dinner. I just want to check in. Like, what do you want to eat? Where do you want to go? Compared to, hey, Wednesday, 7 p.m., we are going out for dinner. Wear your favorite dress because I'm going to take you out somewhere amazing. Like, that's being directive and compared to like being kind of wishy-washy. Does that make sense? And so I get how he gets to show up in that scenario. How does she get to show up? How how can maybe be, especially because it's predominantly a female-based audience right now, do you want to speak on behalf of all of us? We're like, yes, please, future man, speak to us the exact way that Matt just followed up with that dinner request. How do we surrender from feminine as opposed to the thing that's going to completely oppose him? Beautiful. So I'll say it from two different perspectives. So if you are in a relationship where that's not happening, here is how you can create what is called an opening for that to happen. Because being in surrender and being receptive doesn't mean that you just be passive and just sit back and just wait for it to happen. You can create openings, right? A lot of women don't really relate to this, but I call it like an alley-oop. You know what an alley-oop is? No. Okay. 
So the way that I like break down an alley oop in basketball is like when you throw the ball up to another player and the other player grabs the ball and then just like slam dunks it into the hoop, right? So that's kind of what you want to do in the relationship for the guy. If Kelly says to me, and she does multiple times, hey, I would love for you to plan a day for us this weekend. That's her lobbing up the ball. Just like, here's the ball, create the opening. And I'm like, got it. Saturday, I'm going to do this, this, and this, get ready, wear a dress, X, Y, and Z. So that's how you can create an opening, like creating an invitation. So that's the first one. The second one is actually preventing from not having a man want to show up in that way, which is criticism. If a man plans a date and then he's met with criticism, he's met with not good enough, he's met with complaint, then what that does instantly is it shuts down, for a lot of men, consistently over time, it shuts down his ability to want to make a decision, want to be decisive, wanting to plan. If I do all of this, then what it's going to be met with is a lack of appreciation. So think of being receptive or think of surrendering as still being able to like make suggestions, right? You can create the opening where like, I'd love for you to plan a day for us and I'd love for it to be like Thai food or somewhere like that's romantic. That's how you can get what you want still while being receptive. And then meeting that masculine man with appreciation. Thank you for paying for the date. That's what I would say. I love that. Do you live in alignment with your deepest desires? Do you give a voice to your most vulnerable truths? What is it that you really desire to express? To live in alignment with our integrity, our values, and our desires, you have absolutely got to express yourself. But do you even know how? What does full self-expression even mean to you? Join me for four powerful weeks starting May 17th as together we unlock your most authentic, courageous, heart-open and pleasure-led, fully expressed woman. In my newly released four-week mini course, we will dive deep into four potent and life-changing modules, explore the energetic blocks that are holding you back from stepping into your fullest expression, break free from your visibility ceiling, connect deeper with your inner child and your unique essence, reclaim your personal power, activate your unique voice, challenge and stretch your growth edges, and work with embodiment practices to support your nervous system to hold more pleasure, more authenticity, more joy, and so much more. This is an empowered pleasure and growth-led journey of mind, body, community, and soul. And exclusively for my raw, real, and vulnerable community, I am sharing with you a massive $500 off your enrollment, making it half price to get started on your fully express woman journey today head to the link in my show notes and use the code raw real and vulnerable to claim your exclusive enrollment this is for any and every woman who desires to unlock her fullest self-expression and live courageously and i cannot wait to go there this may with you let's fucking go and, you know, whenever I see anything online about women criticizing men, I know that part of my shadow that has definitely played out massively in my life and been like, no, that's my high standards. That's my high expectations. And then when I see really like a conscious man share about how criticism really can hurt men deeply, mm-hmm. it really touches my heart and has me in deep reflection about how I show up ineffectively in relationship. Yes. So if a woman isn't being met the way that she desires, how can she approach a conversation without coming from criticism or judgment? How can she do it in a way that's going to promote deeper intimacy, emotional and sexual, so that he doesn't feel criticised or judged but feels she's still able to share and communicate with him what's going on for her? Beautiful. The simple solution for this is either having 
monthly or weekly relationship check-ins. Because then it's a set container where every single week or every single month, it's a container where you sit down and you have a conversation around, hey, rather than going straight into here's what I want you want more of, like we have a whole process around this. If you just go to my website, but let's say, for example, it's around intimacy. You start off with appreciation and be like, let's say that I'm going first with Kelly and I when we do this. I really appreciate and love when we had sex that night and it was like just so passionate. It was just so magical. And I just love the compliments that you're giving me. And what I would really love more of is I'd really love to up the frequency or I'd really love to lower the frequency or I'd really love to do it in a different location or I'd really love for you to do this. Next time we have sex, just be about being more connected or even more passionate, right? So you can create the invitations to where you want to be met through having a structure in place or like having a container in place. So then that way there's a space where you can openly share. So how you could do that, if you want to open up that up, you can just say to, because it's mainly women listening, hey, are you open and available to having a check-in every single week or every single month where we just look at our relationship so we can just feel even more connected to each other? Something as simple as that, creating the opening that way and then leaning into, okay, how are we going to do all of this? I'm telling you right now, it just makes the relationship so much better by having that in place and it prevents so much conflict from happening and it prevents from carrying any conflict into the future because a part of our process as well is we talk about, or is there anything that we're withholding that's just like creating all of this guilt or shame or tension that we just want to put it into the space? What would you say that withholding, if we don't actually share that, how it can detrimentally impact the relationship and or friendships or anyone in our life, really, but in this case, relationship? Yeah. The way that it impacts it is through the four R's. First, there is resistance. And that resistance, you can call it a withhold. So let me give you a real example here. So something that has happened in our relationship is it was our previous relationship check-in, when we were in the Gold Coast, actually. And I shared something along the lines of like, bringing up a conversation that requires like deep levels of attention and focus and opening in a appropriate space. So rather than at dinner or rather than with like all these people around, sharing it at home. And I was sharing how something that I was withholding is how upset I was at a previous time when she brought up something and I just put that in the space, right? But if I didn't bring that up, right, there's that resistance that is there, then what it can turn to is what is called resentment. If there's an accumulation of so many things happening again and again and again and again and again and again and again, again turns into resentment. That resentment isn't taken care of, then you're in the relationship, but you're not in the relationship and you go to the third R, which is repulsion. Now, just looking at them, there's just something that's just like, oh, I just hate being with them, but you're staying in the relationship, maybe you have kids, maybe you're married, maybe it's just like, oh, it's too late. But if that isn't taken care of and then you do go out of the relationship, then you go into the fourth R, which is meet the same person, but with a different face and a different name. And then it's just recycled. The same thing keeps happening just again and again and again, because there hasn't been the practice of opening and sharing and clearing withholds. So those are the four R's. And to anyone listening that's like, oh, that takes so much courage because the resentment feels like edgy or I'm told I don't want to criticize. I don't know how to do it without criticizing. How do I lean into saying this really scary thing? What would you suggest for that woman who gets to really share what's true on her heart so that she doesn't hold resentment? Start off with that. Like what's raw, real, and vulnerable, right? Bringing that into the conversation. 
hey, babe, like I'm in the practice of just sharing what's on my heart. And can we just sit down for 20 minutes? And can you just really hear me out on something? Because I want to share something, but my hands are sweating right now. I just want to practice opening up even more to you because I want deeper levels of intimacy. Are you open to that? Yeah, awesome. You sit down. Babe, I'm really like the scared. I'm really doing this. And I have this story that if I say this and you're going to leave me and I just want to voice that. And I know you do love you. This is just all going in my head. Okay, babe, I love you. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, here's what's really going on. And then you share. All right. So start off with that because from a man's perspective, if he hears that, he's just going to want to hold you in that, right? Rather than making an attack, like just share from an open, raw, and real position. And for any woman who's listening, he's like, okay. I'm listening to this podcast. Beck does a lot of personal development. She's surrounded by all of these incredible people. Matt's gorgeous, but he's also a conscious man. My partner, when I speak to him about opening and vulnerability and monthly check-ins, he's going to look at me like, fucking what? And the Yeah. Do <laughs> you believe that men, even if they're not in personal development, are really desiring and will be receptive of this for anyone that's facing off with a limiting belief that they won't be right now? Maybe. Yeah. If he is, find a way to make it less like a meeting. So for example, Kelly and I, we did a relationship check-in when we just went for a drive. We're in the Gold Coast and this is the first time that we did that, but we were just like driving around for like, and it was exactly an hour because I was timing it. We just drove around for an hour. We're just like drinking, uh, I think a smoothie or something like that. And we just made it super casual, right? We're talking anyways. We're having a conversation anyways. The only difference is we're having a conversation with structure, right? And also, if you can like let the man know like how much it will benefit him and be like, do you want even better sex? Or do you want to have even more mind-blowing sex? Do you want to have even more connection? I don't know. If you know your partner, you know like what is most valuable to him. If he's a father, can we have even more connection to our kids? Hell yeah, I want that. Okay. How about we do this? Every single week, every single month, we have a quick little check-in. And we just have a talk about different areas of the relationship that we can be even better at. Mm. Yeah. And I'm assuming that if we go through these four R's, it's going to mean that polarity is completely gone in a relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. And if someone's got to that point where they're like, Matt, I love my partner. We're entirely compatible. The polarity is not there. There is so much resentment. Do you feel if both people are committed, there is hope for that partnership to still thrive and polarity Ab- to be there? Absolutely. It's one of the biggest opportunities because then off, on the other side of that, there's contrast for what it has been like. So there's deeper levels of appreciation for what the new version of the relationship is. That there's like a death and then a rebirth of a new relationship that is cleared of all of the stuff that people have been holding in. So one of the things that could be useful, especially if there's a lot of resentment, is working with someone because doing it by yourself can be really challenging. But also if you don't feel like there's a lot of resistance that is required to be cleared, a great way to think about bringing more spark into the relationship or polarity into the relationship is think about what you want more of. I want more sexiness. So I just want more aliveness in the relationship. Okay, so in order for that to happen, what could you bring first? Like, yes, you could do a relationship check and have a mutual conversation, but like, what is it that you could bring to your partner that would evoke the energy that you want within him? Mm. Right? So what do I get to call forth in order for me to call that part of him that just takes me and ravishes me? Like, what do I bring first? Rather than waiting for him to do it and then I'm going to surrender. He goes first and then I'm going to be all sexy. No, it's like, 
you get to bring that first. And if it's a man listening, you can do that same thing, but on the opposite end. You want a woman to be however it is that you want her to be. What do you get to call forth within you to create, to co-create that polarity, passion, aliveness in the relationship? So. How, do you think that couples end too soon because polarity doesn't exist? And if they actually worked on the polarity part of their relationship, they would thrive rather than relationship hop? I think the truthful answer is sometimes. Yeah. Depends because sometimes it's based on a lack of incompatibility where two people are together and they're actually just not a great fit for each other. And it may be one or the other, or it might be a combination of both, you know. And a lot of the times it is because of the polarity side of things. And the reason I ask this question, I have a lot of clients and past clients who have ended up in this beautiful relationship with a man who has started as a friend, a really good friend. He's been in their social circle for five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, and then all of a sudden they're spending a lot of time together and they say, hey, this, there's so much compatibility here, common values, future, things that we desire, but the spark isn't there. Mm. How do they know the difference between actually we're just friends versus, wow, if we work on the polarity side of things, we could build an incredibly thriving sexual compatibility as well as friendship? Yes. Well, so the friendship's already taken care of. Is that is that what you're saying? Like the friendship's good, the like compatibility. They, maybe yeah. they grew up together. They're yes. ex-husband and ex-wife from years ago and they've stayed in each other's world. And all of a sudden they look at each other one day like, is this something? Do we explore things? But it's just feeling like surface level sex. There's no depth to it. Yeah, that makes sense. So, because normally if people started off with a lot of infatuation, then it dwindles. It's a reminder that if it was there in the beginning, that it can be recreated, right? Mm -hmm. And at the same time, if it doesn't start off that way, there might be moments. If there was a moment, at least one moment where you felt that aliveness, that passion, that spark, then that's also a micro of what I was talking about with people who started off that way, that it's possible that it can be created. So it just gets to be a look at what is it that you truly want in terms of sexual intimacy or even outside of sexual intimacy? Like, what is it that you really want? Do you want him to lead? Do you want him to have more direction? Do you want him to have more structure in the relationship? Like, what is it that you think would create that aliveness, that polarity, right? Do you want him to ravish you? Do you want him to just take you? Do you want him to like, what is it? So then it's having that same conversation around rather than him going first, what do you get to bring forth that can create that, right? Mm -hmm. And another comment, I'm asking all the questions on behalf of all women. Yes. Another common statement is his sexual energy is so alive once he's had a few beers. But I don't want to only wait for when he's had a few beers to be able to experience that sexual aliveness. So how would she encourage that part of him to be online? I've heard this maybe a thousand times. Four beers in and he's just like this sexual stud. Four beers Easy. out and it's kind of the same thing, surface level sex. Easy. The reason why that probably happens is because when he is having alcohol, the part of his brain that is going into judgment and like overanalyzing, like, is she going to want this? Like, it kind of just shuts out. So then that way he can just be unapologetic about his expression in the bedroom, which is why a lot of men, and this is me in the past, where I felt safe to be able to let that part of me out when it was a one night stand because I'm not going to see her again. So like, it doesn't really matter what she thinks of me. I can just be unapologetic about how I want to express myself. But now if I'm bringing that into a relationship where we're going to be together, now it's like, 
Will she judge that part of me? Will blah, 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 blah. So the way that you can do this is by letting him know how much you appreciate that aspect of him. Like last night when you were doing that, I just love it so much. So Kelly and I, I'll say 90% after we have sex, we just share our magic moments together. And we share like a specific moment. It's like, oh, when we're doing this, and when you said that thing to me, I felt so turned on, or when this thing happened, and we just share like the micro moments of that, and we just feed appreciation into each other. So that's what I would say, bringing something like that forth. And then I share this on, on her podcast. But I remember sharing on that podcast, there was a moment when she and I first got together where it was the very first time where the primal part of me came out and it was like very primal sex, right? It was like very, very primal. And I remember her just like inviting that in. She was like saying things out loud, like telling me she wants more and more. And I was like, wow, she really appreciates this and she wants this. So it felt safe for me to express that at more and more as our relationship has gone on. So that's what I would say. Understanding why that happens for a man, normal because his brain isn't like constant going into criticism, like blah, 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 blah. And then lead with appreciation. It almost reminds me of, you know, there's like the dance, like no one's watching. And I'm sure we can all yes. resonate with having a few drinks and just being like, oh, I am. Don't give a shit. Sexy dancer and us going for it because the voice that's judging and criticizing diminishes and we have fuel with all this self-belief and what i'm hearing is men actually can be flat in their heads in that moment fearing a lot of judgment Absolutely. doing it right or she's going to yes. criticize me yes. and the antidote to that is appreciation appreciation you can create the space be like tomorrow night i just want you to tie me up and we can set some boundaries beforehand here are my desires here are my boundaries but i just want you to take me and do whatever it is that you want with me like he's probably going to love that depending on the guy. So you call it an alley what an alley oop. An alley oop. Just like throwing up the ball. Right there. <laughs> exactly. Throwing up the ball. That's the alley oop. Oh my God, I love it so much. And then finally circling back to the same question that we were on. At what point does the couple say we're actually just friends and it's not a polarity thing and it is friendship and there's no polarity for us to work on? Yeah, that one's a tricky one. I want to give like a three-step process because it's a conversation that requires a lot of nuance. And so the truthful answer is, I don't know, because I don't know the person who is specifically listening to this. Like that is something that is a big decision and it requires having a deeper conversation. But what I will say is if there is a few things that is lacking, number one, there is a lack of willingness, meaning you have been bringing something up either one time or again and again about something that is hurting you or about something that is important to you and the other person just isn't willing to get any support or isn't willing to meet your needs. Like for example, if it's like, I would love for you to give me more words of affirmation and just more compliments. He's like, yeah, okay. And then he does it for one day and then he doesn't do it again, which brings to the second point, if there's a lack of consistency again and again and again and again and again and again and again, it's just not happening then that requires like looking at why is this happening? Could it be the way that I'm, you know, communicating and bringing up the point where he's not receptive to actually wanting to show up for me? Or is it that right now we are just incompatible for each other? I also love to provide a compatibility checklist that can be helpful. So are your values in alignments, things that are most important to you, health, family, like meaning you want kids. The second thing, which is vision, long-term and short-term vision. Is marriage important to you? Is kids important to you? And that's been a conversation that we've had with multiple people. 
where one person like deeply wants a child and the other person doesn't want. The right or wrong thing around this, but it's also looking at finding someone who is a match for you. The third one is your stage of life. Me, let's say if I was 20 years old and I was dating someone who was like 35 years old, they're in a completely different stage of life, right? Me, 20 years old, probably isn't wanting to have a long-term relationship, getting married and X, Y, Z at 20 years old. So stage of life is important. So those are three things that you can look at. Oh, and the fourth one is just lifestyle. If someone is in a relationship with someone and they're like drinking every single weekend and the other person's like, doesn't want that, you also get to look at lifestyle. So those are four things that you can look at. So helpful. So informative. I love every single one of those. And then I know I'm really conscious of time and this conversation has been so incredible. I have loved every second of it. Do you feel, Matt, that more and more women are coming to you in relationship with polarity concerns and finding it's because we're really in now this kind of hustle, strive, women going for it culture that is creating even more depolarization than ever before in relationship? Yes, absolutely. That's a big conversation that goes layers deep. And it's something that I'm still like educating myself on, like really finding out what is behind all of this? How is this all created? Like the hustle culture, we can look at that as a singular thing, which is great in some sense. Things It's working in a lot of ways. And at the same time, it's not working in a lot of ways. And then looking back at, okay, how was that created? What was happening in order for there to be this massive pendulum swing, right? When now women are a lot more like hustle, 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 working, being independent, which is awesome. And it's also creating a lot of breakdowns in relationships and marriages and families as well, which is taking away certain healthy roles in the relationship and roles that are more in alignment with people's core energies and demeanor, right? And that question really resonates with me. It's one of the things that attracted Jake and I together so much, our commonality, our similarity, our like-mindedness, how much I go for it. And it's been the thing that's created the most amount of friction in our relationship. Because yes. he's a masculine, there's that part of me that's coming from that go-getter. So to be able to limit between the two so that I can receive him, it's constant work. Yeah, absolutely. And I was sharing this the other week with Kelly and, you know, I had an ex-partner that was like more mission driven than me in a lot of ways. And she's awesome. And at the same time, I remember when we broke up, one of my good friends, we were sitting at the beach. It was the day after we broke up. And he asked me a question. He's like, in your next relationship, what do you want to make sure that is different about this relationship? And I said to him, I don't want someone who works as much as she did. And it was just like a constant thing. Like I work a lot. And to have someone who was just like meeting me in my mission driven, it's awesome because it worked a lot of ways. But also it's just like, for me, it's not something that I found out that I really wanted, you know. And then for a mission-driven woman who's like, I hear you and I want to surrender and I want to receive and I want my masculine life partner to be able to hold that masculine pillar. What would be a great first step for her? Like if you were to backtrack to that partner and it had eventuated in any kind of way, like that kind of dynamic, what could she have done to be more receptive to you? I would say for both of us, I guess take ownership here as well. So it's not just about her, but I would say it's to create space for connection outside of work. So a lot of the things that we didn't do, which Kelly and I do, is like we have date nights every single week. Wednesday, 6 p.m. That's our day. We call it Sunday sloth days. Sundays, it's like our day to just relax, zero work, 
where we don't create any content, we don't do anything, but we just connect and we pretty much just be sloths in bed all day and just like relax, right? Having days where there's just connection between each other could have been really, really great. So that's what I would say. Mm, so powerful. Matt, I have loved this conversation. I cannot wait to share it. I personally received so much from it. I know that every listener will as well. I have one more final question that I ask every guest. Are you ready for it? Yes. Give it to me. What does it mean to you to be raw, real, and vulnerable in your own life? Oh, I love that. I didn't come up with this. This is the first answer that comes up. But it's like being raw and real about what you're not raw and real about. So what that might look like is if I have things that I am hiding, if I have things that I am being inauthentic about, it would be looking into those things and being raw and real about what I'm not being raw and real about. That's what I would say. Thank you. You're this welcome. was amazing. I loved every second of it. You are even more beautiful on the inside than what you are on the outside. And I actually wanted to acknowledge you for your beautiful share around not feeling like you're an incredible communicator when you were young. Thank you. Because I see some, and I'm sure every listener tuning in now is like, how on God's earth did you ever believe that you're not an amazing communicator? And I feel that that's so inspiring to hear that vulnerable share of yours because obviously you can communicate in the way in which you do now. And it wasn't something that was that came to you naturally overnight. It's something that you got to lean mm-hmm. into and break through, which is such a permission slip to everyone who's tuning in. I appreciate that. Yeah, working with vocal coaches, learning how to project my voice, learning how to breathe and learning how to just be confident and trust myself to be able to hold conversations and just also having structure in place. It's been a lot of work. So I appreciate that reflection because it definitely wasn't natural. It was so many uncomfortable hours and money, a lot of money spent on just like learning how to use my voice. So thank you. Beautiful. For anyone who is listening who would love to get more of you, how can they get into your world? They can go to mattkarma.com, M-A-T-T-C-A-M-A. And you can also just type that in pretty much any social platform and you'll find me there. And yeah, you can just see all of my programs, offerings, the relationship check-in workshop if you want to check that out. And yeah. Bali retreat. Bali retreat. Yeah. We just, we literally just, uh, we're saying off air that we just planned that. Kelly is right now looking at the space, the location to just like check it all out. So that's coming this year. Amazing. Thank you so much, Matt. I have loved today. Thank you, Beck. I appreciate you. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you're desiring more from me right now, firstly, I love your eagerness. And secondly, let's make it happen. Check out the link in my show notes where you can receive more information on my books, breakthroughs, online webinars, all upcoming courses and programs, and how you can get started on your journey within my world today. I can't wait to be back in your ears next week. And trust me, you won't want to miss this episode. 